You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 78, covering Evolution and the Ensigns of Command, with Rob Humphreys. Hello, friends. We're back. It is Season 3 time, and... Right out of the gate, I keep going on and on about how great season three is, and we drew two that were not great. Fortunately, you sure showed us out. Yeah, fortunately, our friend Beeve is here to help us through these completely average episodes. So, hey guys, say hello, Beeve. Well, you've already done that. So <laughs> nice I did work. That. Thank you for that. Nice. Listen, you fucking wait until we tell you. <laughs> Listen, this is your first. You, you've been on the other show, but this, we run things a little differently over here. We run a tight ship over here at the Post Atomic Corps. It's a gaming ship. Yes. Um, and what we do is we, we make you read summaries, and uh, you, you've written one for us. Why don't you tell us about the, the episode called Evolution? <clears throat> okay. The Enterprise is on a historic science quest involving Dr. Bob Kelso's search for the origin of binary star muffins, and Wesley Crusher has overslept. As a result of said oversleeping, Nails has been standing on the bridge for several hours, just waiting for Wes to get there to tell him their position and slow down the ship. It's a wonder they didn't hit a planet or something. Picard is in the, another room narrating, but he'll get there in a minute. Kelso is on the bridge as well and asks Wes if he's ever been in a Turkish prison or seen a grown man naked. <laughs> he, ex- he explains to Wes, not exposition, mind you, just an old scientist talking to the young boy he's sitting on about stars, neutrinos, life work, eggs, and oh, and how he only has one shot and that opportunity comes once in a lifetime, yo. <laughs> so there's a probe that needs to be launched in time to get readings for a once-every-200-year event. And this is the single defining moment of Kelso's life. This is that thing that, wait, was that Kelso flying across the bridge? You mean after all that buildup and how about how important this experiment is and how precisely fit time things need to be, something is going wrong at nearly the last minute? Unheard of. So rumble, rumble, something wrong with the ship, but sh- uh, ship says it's fine. Wesley goes to sickbay with Kelso for a, a mother-child reunion. Beverly says my quote of the episode, blah, family, blah, genius teen, blah, etc. The Enterprise is now in the middle of a crisis, where it is drifting in space and may not be able to uh, escape being at the center of a massive stellar explosion. So Beverly rushes to the captain to whine at him that her son doesn't get to be enough of a teen for her personal liking. (laughs) She's back from a year of leaving him to fend for himself on a starship, where he has thrived and grown and been just fine without her, but now she's back on her timetable and her terms, ready to overparent. During this time, Wesley and Kelso have gone to the shuttle bay, uh, to give Kelso's probe the once-over. And, and Kelso continues with the idea that Wes is just a young version of himself, which makes those thoughts he's having no worse than masturbation, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, back on the bridge, the Borg are attacking. Don't be silly, the Borg aren't attacking. It's just the computer screwing with the crew again. Doors start opening and closing, the computer starts broadcasting chess moves, then bam, the ship shakes, the engines shut down, and it may be time to think about the fate of the mission. Picard, Riker, and Data go to the conference room to talk about the situation. We learned from data that it's been 79 years since the last complete system failure on a starship. And somewhere at Starfleet, there's a guy flipping the numbers on the X day since complete system failure signed back to zero. (laughs) In her job as receptionist, Troy comes in and says Kelso is right outside, one second before he barges in, proving there is no job Troy can do properly. (laughs) Picard, Picard tells Kelso that the experiment will go on once it's safe to do so. And Kelso is not that particular as long as his name gets in the uh, record books. Kelso leaves, and Troy uses her special ability to say all the crap that was immediately obvious to everyone. 
Wes and Jordy are looking for the problem in engineering, and it quickly becomes apparent to Wesley Bluth that he made a huge mistake. <laughs> it turns out that Wesley fell asleep while doing potentially catastrophic experiments with nanites um, that have led, not surprisingly, to a potential cat catastrophe. And he was doing it to get a good grade on a school project. To right his wrongs, Wesley starts by telling no one what he did, and instead creeps around the ship, setting little nanite traps everywhere, starting with Tin Forward, where he runs into Guinan, who tells him she runs a clean place, place reasonably priced, and then dispenses some Guinan wisdom. Back on the bridge, Nails asks if the ship, ship is plugged in, and then suggests turning it off and then back on again. <laughs> things seem to come up okay, and Picard gets back to the bridge, so it looks like uh, things may proceed. Till eventually, uh, I'm sorry, till the Enterprise is viciously attacked with large marching, with loud marching music. The music nearly kills Picard, and he demands the power shut off. Kelso and Wes are back in the shuttle bay, and Kelso talks about baseball. Yes, baseball. And how he likes to envision the plays in his head. Not on the holodeck, and baseball, baseball, baseball. Later on, Wes is going over the traps he set. He still hasn't told anyone about what he did, but fortunately, his mom walks in when he, uh, when he finds one, so he decides to tell her, since no effort at all would be required. Once the secret is out, it is easier to deal with. The crew has a meeting and have to face that the nanites they just found may have evolved and gained sentience, thanks to king of all children. <clears throat> they get an idea of how to deal with the nanites using low-dose gamma radiation. Kelso decides to kill a big batch of them, so, and so the nanites start screwing with the environmental controls and directly attacking Kelso. Even so, Picard takes the idea that the nanites have evolved into a new intelligent life form very seriously and is only willing to kill them as a very last resort. Fortunately for the little synthetic bastards, Data establishes communication with them, and Picard gets to go all ambassador on their asses. Data helps facilitate peace by letting the nanites use his body to communicate better. Kelso apologizes and says some of his best friends are nanites, <laughs> and the nanites and the nanites accept it, and really just want a place of their own to grow and develop. Kelso's experiment goes great. Wesley has freaky teenage space sex with a girl to shut up his mother, and the nanites are shut. Sh ah, sorry, are shipped off to Cavus Alpha Four, where there'll be no trouble at all. Yay! We haven't ended that way for a while. <laughs> <sighs> I think we just ended that way. <laughs> In my head, it always ends that way. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, this one, okay. uh, and it, it seems like you were focusing on a lot of stuff at the beginning that didn't end up mattering, but that's paced about the way the episode is, where the end just suddenly sort of comes on, like, whoop, and then it's fixed. Yeah. It like, it's, not like episode... you, it's not like you got bored doing your summary and left out the good part. No, that's pretty much how it, it happened. Was, yeah. It was a little bit like that. Yeah. You no, know, like this. This episode starts off as like a really Wesley-centric episode, you know. <laughs> and then in the last yeah. couple of acts, he's just nowhere to be found. Yeah, he just vanishes. Well, the boy there's, created a mess. Let's clean it up now. There's an awful lot of buildup, and then it's just done. Yeah. Damn it, Wesley. And the thing is, like nanites are a cool idea. Like that could have been a fun thing to play around with for a while, but it's just nope. Here they are, and there they go. <laughs> the end. Yeah. They spend way too much time with with. Uh, God. With with Beverly, Fun. a lot of time with Beverly in this. Well, let's let's Just go to the good thing, bad thing. What do you what do you okay. got? Uh, good thing, bad thing. I like the general idea, uh, and like Picard being captainy and dim diplomatic at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but bad thing, baseball, 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 barf. <laughs> Not just baseball. There's some awful writing, uh, and Frankenstein, Humpty Dumpty, Susa March, and the game. The game Kelso recites. Uh, it's from the fifties, and everything they do keeps going back to very specific references to earth culture or not just earth culture, American culture on earth from, you know, the 20th century. Four, yeah. From the 20th century. From the best century ever. Yep. And it, to me, it, it just, it just sticks out 
terribly. Yeah, I'll I'll buy that. And the baseball thing comes back a few times. It'll come back a, a really big in Deep Space Nine, where Cisco was a big baseball fan. I believe, and I know this with no research at all, and I really don't care. So, uh, listeners, please don't correct me because I don't care. But I'm pretty sure this was around the time that baseball went on strike, and the writers were just sort of pissed off. Like, well, you know what? Fine, you're greedy. There's no baseball in the future. What do you think? There's of that? no baseball ever. So fuck now you. What? Yeah. But, yeah, so then you got this guy who's obsessed with, with this sport that's been dead for 200 years. And uh, and he's never watched a game. He just plays them in his mind. Yeah, he's like a hipster. Oh, I don't do them on the holodeck. You haven't experienced <laughs> baseball until you've experienced it in the original My Brain. <laughs> there's, a, there's a moment that really takes me out of the episode where he's, he's lying there in his quarters and he's imagining a baseball game in his mind. And, all right, fine, that's what this guy's thing is. You actually hear the crowd and, like, the crack of the bat. And this show doesn't do that. Like, no. you don't hear what's going on in someone's mind, usually, and just stylistically, it was really, like, it kind of took me out of it for a minute. It's like, if they had put, like, yeah. an actual, like, thought balloon over his head. Yeah, exactly. Baseball came playing in it. It's just, uh, there's a very specific <laughs> style that the show has, and part of that is not showing you what people are imagining. It just, it, that that's not how they work. It's like, would it really have thrown us off if we, we just thought he was sleeping or something? Yeah. I don't think so. No, nope. baseball, I guess. All right, so my uh, my good thing, I really like, I actually do like character-wise the idea of Wesley seeing an example of the horrible, creepy old man he could become <laughs> so that he can do everything he possibly can to avoid that fate. And I actually did like the dynamic between them. Like, Beef made some jokes about it being creepy, and okay, it was a little creepy. But I don't know, I like the, yeah, you're a prodigy, well, look, look, look what I've made of my life. And Wesley looked at him, Jesus, yeah, look at what you've made with your life. It's like, yeah, I can't wait to wait my entire life to watch a red thing watch, spiral around a blue thing. Watch one thing, and not even look at that thing when it happens. Nope. Um, and I do like when the writers try to find different angles for the character. Uh, unfortunately, my bad thing, we go, we were back to the same old angle, which is Beverly's back, and she's just back to being a mom. Mm-hmm. And Wesley, rather than being a kind of interesting cadet, like, this is what I talked about last season. She's gone... He's kind of interesting now as sort of a junior officer, as sort of uh, nails, like surrogate younger brother kind of thing. <laughs> little nails. Little nails, right. Sometimes. <laughs> little nails. And, I, but, and then now I used to love little nails adventures. Remember those? <laughs> I thought they were just backup features in the main nails stories. I didn't think exactly. they got their own. Uh, yeah. Um, but then Beverly's back and he's just a mama's boy again. It's just, yep. like, I, re- I honestly was, if not starting to like him, at least he wasn't my least favorite character anymore. And now he's fast becoming my least favorite character again. Yeah. And that's just a damn shame because the, the character had potential and it's it's lazy writing to me. It's like they don't know what to do with these two characters. Oh, well, they're mother and son. Let's just go to that. But the thing is that they did find stuff. They found stuff for Wesley to do all of season two. Yeah, and she's a doctor and doctor is dealing with weird alien shit. There's always stuff there. It's not hard to give her stuff to do either. No. Like they did it with Bones. They did it with Pulaski. They did it with all the other doctors. They can't. Just give her some medical mystery or something? Nope. Mm-hmm. Always fretting over her kid. Uh, what do you got, yeah. Matt? Uh, so my good thing was, uh, I like. Da- I actually really enjoyed Data Possessed by the Nanites uh, and his addressing Stubbs, the <laughs> Kelso's real name. Oh, yeah, I guess at some point we might mention that his name was Dr. Not a Stubbs. Yes. I've never seen Scrubs, so I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> Dr. Scrubs, that's his <laughs> name. <laughs> um, no, uh... When the uh, nanites possess data, you know, Spiner does his whole, like, oh, now I'm a bunch of different guys in one body. Talking sort of like, you know, yes, <laughs> he addresses... I don't, you are weird. Like, that kind of thing. 
we do not understand humans. Yep. No, Spider, like, I don't usually like the whole thing. possession thing, usually, and it makes no sense when Data has a human brain in him. But this at least sort of made sense, and Spiner always plays that well, even if it doesn't make sense. Like, No. Like, it'd be, it's so weird seeing him break character because he's so good as Data. Yes. Yeah. And you're bad. And I was like, the, I always like the the idea of people living in data. I think that's creepy. <laughs> Shockingly, An old man moves into data. <laughs> yeah. Well, we gotta time, spend, What's that? Have a timeshare in data. We, we gotta <laughs> spend a weekend in the old haunted data. We don't get to inherit him. <laughs> uh, and your bad thing. Uh, I also had the whole Beverly thing. Yeah. Like, I never thought I'd say this, but having Beverly back sucks. She just, she really, her yeah. only characteristic is that she's a mom. That's, that's yeah, the main problem. Nothing but that, this entire episode, but, oh, my baby, my baby, my baby. My baby isn't around anymore. My baby's depressed. My baby's in trouble. My baby's seeing a strange and, girl. And we, so, okay, Wesley's science project created this mess, which is uh, in itself kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah. rather than him trying to fix the problem, it gets fixed because his mom finds out and goes and helps it, like, fixes it for him, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah. he can't own up to his own mistake and tell the captain, I'm sorry, sir, I did this. Yeah, no, yeah, that's how you solve problems in the fourth grade, not when you're 17, right. as they kept stating about him over and over again. And his stupid negligence made, uh, almost derailed a, you know, an important Federation science project. All could have killed the crew mm-hmm. of the starship, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just nobody even acknowledges that it was something horrible, stupid thing that he did. Nope. Yeah. I mean, in the old days, they'd scream at him when he was right, and they'd tell him to shut up when he was saying the thing that would save everybody. Right. And now he almost kills everybody, and it's not even acknowledged. No, and, and, the, and like was, we said, they just sort of sweep him off camera after, yeah. like, the third act. And it's not Cause like... Because his mom's standing there, and they don't want to yell at him in front of his right. mom again. And it's not like he didn't, you know, like, he didn't not do anything wrong. Like, you're not supposed to be dicking around with these things. They're kept under super, like, high security for a reason. Yeah, I, and the whole original idea was, I guess they were uh, uh, medical nanobots that he modified. So, yeah, they're, they're supposed to be kept, like, in quarantine or something so that they don't do exactly this. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like he modified them by putting two of them together. <laughs> And that was his big thing. My experiment is I will put two near each other. No, he he reprogrammed them or something. He reprogrammed them to fuck. That, well, to yes, fuck. exactly. I, I do like, at one point, he's talking about how impressive they are. They have gigabytes of storage capacity. <laughs> wow! Now, in 1990, that was impressive yeah. because that was like three uh, prefixes ahead of what we had. But now it's like, oh, honey. Yeah. I can go I buy have... a thumb drive at Target for five bucks with gigabytes worth of space on it. Yeah, I have eight around yes, my but, neck right now. Yeah. Yes, but will it breed with itself and try to take over your <laughs> ship? Yeah, do, do you have two of them around your neck? Because then you have, no, then you have God, four no. and eight and 16 and so on. There are two of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, the, the thing is, and this I'll say this throughout season two, there are bad episodes, in, or season three rather, there are bad episodes, but in the bad episodes you still have some nice little character moments, and there were mm-hmm. like a nice little... Like Picard moments and data moments, and just this wasn't terrible just for that. And because we are in a new season, you see some better sets, and you see like the the, the uniforms are right now. Yep. Like there's there's they got new carpet on the bridge. Yeah, they obviously like once a year in their lease it says that the the, the landlord will come have the the, the bridge steam cleaned. <laughs> so they did that. That was nice. 
No, it's it's nice just seeing the show. Like I noticed in both of these episodes, I saw the two directors that are pretty much their standard go-to guys. Is Cliff Bowl and there's somebody else I don't remember off the top of my head, Weinrich Kolb or something like that. But it's like it's the same directors, so that means that there's like a house look now. They're not experimenting with weird camera angles anymore. Everything's sort of been, you know, generalized. So mm-hmm. although we do start the season with the uh, the old camera up Riker's nose trick. That's true, but there's a lot less of that, and there's a lot Trust less of no. the bad music. Like, we open with the cheesy synth music, and it almost immediately goes away. Mm-hmm. The music did not jump out at me this time, which was nice. It's like they're literally showing you showing it to you and then booting it out the door. Yeah. Remember this? Look what it's we got gone. rid of. Yep. Speaking of what they got rid of, I, I do like that... I don't like the way it plays out in this episode, but I do like that they acknowledge that Beverly was gone. But mm-hmm. they never mentioned Pulaski by name ever again. It's like nope. a whole year went by, and it's like Beverly was always here. What's 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 the problem? And that's yeah. just strange to me. We had this character Maybe. that we got to know and got to like, and other people got to like, and now she's just gone and no explanation. You know, if she hadn't shit in the potted plants before she left, they might have mentioned her name <laughs> a little more. <laughs> that might be. She must have, like, just really... She's coming back? Oh, god damn it! Fuck that. That must be it. I actually... Near the beginning of the episode, when the Enterprise is caught in the red thing spiraling into the blue thing... <laughs> uh, it, that's, it some, that's some first-class techno window. What's that? <laughs> it sort of pulls back and the ship gets rocked, and I assume she fell out the window. Oh, yeah, fell out the the, uh, the shuttle bay door or whatever. No, just a window. Someone left it open. Ah, of course. Hey, crack a window. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Dr. Kelso had this really, like, it looked like he had fished an old sport coat out from the dumpster behind Men's Warehouse. <laughs> he just kept, he looked very hobo-like, and I... yeah. He, like, we get the, the the first shot of him is on the bridge from behind, and he's standing next to next to nails, looking extremely tiny. Yep. And all I can think is, who let this bum on the bridge? <laughs> he looks like he should be warming his hands over a flaming trash can. Yes. <sighs> yeah, and the thing is, and and Beef pointed this out: the, the acting in this isn't great, and and we get this a lot where the actors on the show are pretty good, and then the guest star, like the the caliber of guest star they get, just isn't. They're not up to the same caliber at all. No. And it's unfortunate. I I like the guy in Scrubs, but he is terrible in this. No, he's a great comedic actor. He's a great, like, dick as a a comedian. But, yeah, in this, we're we're trying to really believe that this is his life's work and all that. Eh. Everything is overblown, and his facial expressions are are horrible. Oh, God, he's got ridiculous bug eyes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's his (laughs) primary expression is, like, varying the, the bulge of his eyes. Well, I mean, we're also talking about a character who thinks it's perfectly all right to, when his plans might not be going off, go downstairs and shoot the ship. <laughs> now, you mean downstairs on the ship, not downstairs yeah, no, to the planet. Yeah, downstairs on the ship, not downstairs to the planet. Right, I see. That'd be crazy here. Yeah. Come on. I just uh-huh. got to be clear, because the terminology is, you know, similar. So, what? I'm going through my notes here. The... Uh, I was really worried when he started giving a speech to Wesley about baseball, because the last time I saw that happen was in The Untouchables, and it did not <laughs> <Enthusiasm>. end well. Enthusiasm! <laughs> a man stands alone at a plate! <laughs> what else? They were shooting gamma rays at the nanites, and I was worried that they would hulk out. That's, that's ah, pretty much all I got. Cr- smash Enterprise. <laughs> oh, there's a, there's a bit where I, you feel like there's a little bit of growth with Data, because there's a point where uh, Dr. Kelso says... Um, 
these are just robots with a screw loose. And Data doesn't immediately seize on that and say, they do not have screws or whatever. He just kind of rolls with it. and like, Or even worse, be all like, ah, screw loose. An Earth term, which means... <laughs> Crazy. Yes. Over 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 the summer break, Picard time to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> no, I just I feel like that's some nice character development where the writers realize this isn't funny and data should be learning at this point. Mm-hmm. Also I like the idea that between seasons the crew goes on summer vacation. Oh of course. No, it's like between Buffy seasons where like yeah. crazy things happen and like <laughs> Worf went mm-hmm. to Klingon camp. Right. <laughs> Learned about his heritage. <laughs> Uh, what else? He, he comes back and he won't shut up about it. <laughs> People are tired of hearing about this, Worf. Just stop it. Just excited about it, that's all. He, Captain, he's really excited about it. I think it would be best if you let him go uh, on for a while. Fine. I think it would be best if you shut up. <laughs> that's what I and think. This one, this one time at Klingon camp. <laughs> no, don't want to hear it. <laughs> Where did you stick a bat <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Uh, you guys have any further business here? We also find out, we also find out, I assume this was a joke, but I prefer to accept it as canon, that Guinan knew Dr. Frankenstein. Oh, right. Yes. Which is in B's long list of Oh, right, my long list of references. bad things. Yeah. Yes. Dr. Frankenstein is real, and she knew him. And yeah. he always got straight A's, because that's more dramatic as a response to Wesley's response. Yeah, Guinan went to high school with Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. That Which makes I, sense. The I thought I thought his delivery of the I always get an A was actually a pretty good yeah I always bit do right there he was dejected about it you know he wasn't happy with himself right but you know he sure he gets a good grade you know whatever grade no I agree but he almost blew up the ship and then there's a there's a line near the end like that too where actually it's the very end where Beverly's like he oh good he's socializing with with a girl that's good and then it's like. Who is she? What is he, What is her intention with my son? Womp womp. Like, Stay away from my baby. Yeah. Huh. Now, Beef, I gotta ask you. We we don't yeah. uh, like a lot of people. We don't. We talk to can't respond to this as parents. Most people hate children like we do. But but you you do have kids. Are we reading her wrong, or is she really just way the fuck over parenting him? She is way over parenting. That's what I okay, thought. Good. Thank you. Well, and when I when I, we were talking about this, I think of a work situation, like, you know, how in a lot of workplaces they don't let you date within... Sure. Work. You know, you can't, two people who are have a relationship can't work in the same place because right. of what it does to their working relationship. And that's almost like, I mean, she's almost unhealthily so, where you wouldn't want her as the doctor on your ship because she clearly can't separate herself from always being up his ass all the time. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, it, and if they're going to make him an acting ensign and they recognize his value and they're giving him this opportunity, the last thing he needs or they would allow would be her coming in and doing that to him. I would think Picard would say, look, you do that again, you're off the ship again. Right. This is clearly a conflict of interest and you have to, yep. yeah. Or he is. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather have him. Yeah, I honestly, at this point, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I like him better than I like her, which yeah. Yeah. I just can't believe. I, but... You can't believe you're saying that. Yeah. Jesus. I know. Well, How do we get here? Listen, she's cute, okay? Huh. She's nice to look at. but th- I think mm-hmm. she's cute. But that's that's all right. She's not even really that. She's got weird hair this year. Uh, it's early, I like her hair. Early 90s hair. What are you going to do? Looks like someone came up behind her, just grabbed it, and started shaking it. <laughs> I'm from I'm from back then. I, I like yeah, that. Yeah, we, we come from that time. So <laughs> <laughs> Your ways are strange and mysterious to us. <laughs> Tell me about your strange world of the past. <laughs> well, they had hair like this, and they had outfits like, like the, we'll have in the next episode. The world where apes evolve from men. No. Men oh. evolve from apes, like the normal way. Oh, that's boring. Yep. 
hey, this episode's called Evolution. Were you being clever there? No, I was just looking at my video collection. Yeah, very well. <laughs> so I should really get around to watching Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Well. Nope, instead you got to watch some Star Trek. What do you think of that? Yeah. Any any further business? Any any additional points? Any, any old business? Yes. <laughs> Beef, you got any? Nope. All right. Then why don't you tell us what your quote is? Okay, this quote is early in the episode where Beverly is talking about having been away from West for a little while. It's possibly one of the dirtiest things said on television. Quite a dynamic family team, you crushers. Well, it's nice to be together again. I was at Starfleet Medical for a year. I missed about... Two inches of him. <laughs> because back back in the day. Because as as I see in your notes here, you're twelve. Because I'm twelve. <laughs> I, I thought the same thing. Yeah. Oh boy. Alright, let's let's push on to the mysteriously named the ensigns of command. I've no idea. It has nothing to do with ensigns, it has nothing to do with command. It has everything to do with hurting. <laughs> and aqueduct. Yes. Oh god, the aqueduct. All right, so Picard is trying to enjoy a little time off, this time by attending the performance of a string quartet consisting of Data, O'Brien, a Vulcan dressed for the Ren Fair, and some no-name lieutenant that probably has her own series of novels, when he's almost immediately interrupted by important ship business, because Picard is to recreation what Hudson Hawk is to Cappuccino. That is a <laughs> reference that maybe three people will get, but fuck you, I stand by it. Anyway, the Enterprise is being hailed by a group of aliens known as the Sheliak Corporate. Man, this area of the galaxy's gotten so commercial. Apparently the Sheliak Corporate sent a secret shopper to some planet of theirs, found a bunch of <laughs> filthy humans living there, and now they're giving them three of your Earth days to clear out before the district manager shows up and sprays for humans. <laughs> and it turns out that comparing these particular humans to roaches isn't entirely ridiculous, because apparently they've adapted to the horrible radiation on the planet that they yoinked. Which means the transporters don't work, and Data's the only one who could safely visit the planet and urge them to evacuate. He does this, and naturally the colonists are all like, we're not leaving our homes, you're not our real dad, and so on in that fashion. <laughs> well, there is one person who sees Data's point, and also admires his android <clears throat> complexity, the planet's resident Lisa Simpson, whose name I don't think I actually caught. It's not important. She's cute, she has a good head on her shoulders, and she helps teach Data how to deal with humans better. And not even in that way, you weird pervert. Well, a little in that way, I guess. I don't know the whole baseball makeout chart, which base is a simple kiss on the mouth with no tongues. Anyway, while Data learns how to convince these jerks that they're jerks, Picard is busy dealing with some jerks of his own. And we finally get to see two things I've been itching to see since we started. Picard, the master diplomat, and Troy, the person who is actually useful at something. The two of them figure out how to stave off the impending corporate takeover of the colony by being total bureaucratic dicks to the Sheliak. This buys enough time for a proper Starfleet evacuation team to get the whiny vermin off the planet. And Data finally gets his point across by realizing that being nice never got anybody anywhere, so he motivates them with threats. I think we've all learned some very valuable lessons this week. Good work, everyone. Motivating with threats is definitely how, I, how you get me to do anything. That, it, it's great that Data's... That's the lesson. The lesson is, well, you guys aren't going to learn to listen to my reason, so I'm going to start shooting stuff. Oh, you get a real nice aqueduct here. It'd be a real shame if something happened to it. Yeah, we, Whoops. we didn't really fixate on their aqueduct obsession until our, our uh, pre-recording uh, viewing here. I totally would have worked that into my summary, because these people were all about their fucking aqueduct. Oh my god, they were so proud of that aqueduct. aqueduct. Yeah. And Not even aqueducts, they had one. Yep, that they spent a hundred years building. Yep. Between fucking and breeding like rabbits, mm -hmm. they built one aqueduct. 
That colony, that colony left with, like, what, 12 people? Yeah. <laughs> and they come back, and they're like, there's 15,000? Jesus Christ! We've only been gone 90 years! Jesus! We've been, we were talking about the radiation. Yeah. We figured that would make them sterile. I guess it had the opposite effect. They're almost up to the Oko standards. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so my good thing is uh, Troy, actually. She's a first contact expert, and she's good at uh, talking to aliens. This is the stuff she should have been helping with all along. It's about time somebody made her pull her weight a little, and she does a decent job of it. There's a point where Picard specifically says, you know, that we had a whole diplomatic team before, and now what do we have? Well, there's me and you. Let's get to work. It's like... Come on, Troy. You're gonna you're gonna do something for a change, and it's just nice. I I quite like that. Um, and my bad thing is, uh, well, this is not my favorite kind of episode. I mean, it's fine, I guess. I get the motive of the colonists. I just don't care. If you're gonna write a two opposing viewpoints that are equally valid story, you need to make me care about both sides. I just want these people to shut up and leave their stupid homes. I think it's really weak writing just to make the leader of an opposing, uh, the opposing viewpoint, a, a smug douche. Yeah, it ju- I'm so sick of guys who are just like, no. Yeah, you cannot take our land from us. Like, shut up. No. You're it's like, going dude, we to have die. a big universe that for some reason is full of planets that you support life. Yeah. Fucking Kirk stumbled over an Eden planet every other week. <sighs> Go get one. Kick back and enjoy. We'll even set you up with one that doesn't need aqueducts. We'll put you on the you aqueduct get water planet out of the ocean. Or yeah. if you prefer, we'll give you the one with all aqueducts. Yeah, where we left Nothing a book. We left a book about aqueducts on this planet, and now the entire society is built around aqueducts. You can live there. Yeah. Nope. You want this one because my grandfather's buried on that mountain. Me, me, me. Oh, here he yeah, goes about yeah, his grandfather. All of again. our grandfathers are buried on that mountain. That's the grandfather <laughs> burying mountain. <laughs> That area was the plains before our grandfather. Yeah, now it's a mountain of corpses. <laughs> and because we breed so fast, there's a lot of grandfathers up there. Oh, man. And we built our aqueducts out of grandfathers? <laughs> man. No, I just... There, I tie that shit together. There's going to be a lot of episodes like this where we go to planets where it's just like standard Earth humans, and they just don't want to leave their thing, or they're rebels or something, and I just... They I built get... an enti- the entirety of the Maquis around that idea. Yeah. I just okay. I get it. Okay, look, white people were bad to the Indians. I'm assuming that's the lesson here. So I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Whatever. Um, All right, Beef. What about I you? I like data in this, and I didn't like the dicks on the planet. But um, moreover, thinking about it, watch watch. The data had a again, great though, arc in this episode. A lot of people had really good parts in this. Um, Jordy and O'Brien were great, and Picard was great, and Troy was good which is, like, great uh-huh. for most other people. Yeah, and good exactly. for Troy is great. <laughs> you have to grade Troy and, on a curve. And, and she was, and she was or lovely. several and curves. And cute girl on the planet was cute. And, uh, and all. Yep. But the, the guy, especially the main, main guy, because um, I've only watched this three times, yeah. um, he was awful. <laughs> and he just wasn't, I mean, he wasn't like a real character. He was, was, <laughs> was kind of like a, oh, he was kind of like a space Republican. But that might be too political. <laughs> right, I apologize. He, he was like, um, uh, Matt's favorite example is uh, Iron oh, Man, yeah. the Civil War comic. Yep. Where he, he exists not to have a viewpoint, but just to be the opposition and to be evil. Yeah, he's the bad man. Right. And I like it. I really do like that Next Gen does some really good episodes where you don't know which side to take because they're both right. Yeah. 
and you don't have to make someone evil. You can just say, wow, this is a really hard situation. And they can be narrow-minded or stuck in the mm. past or whatever without without only going, no, no, yeah. you're a robot. No, this is ours. Yeah, and then shooting data yeah. when you don't or get your way. Prodding him. I wish he shot him. No, he stabbed him with a cattle prod. Yeah, that's true. But deactivating him nonetheless. Just a, just a dick move. No, I do like the chick, though, and I do like that she was, like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of us nerds have been there, where you're the only one who sort of sees, like, you guys are all crazy. What's wrong with you? Yep. And, and like, can't you just, like, like robots? Robots are cool. Have you guys not seen how awesome robots are? Fucking robots. Look, I built a battle droid in my quarters. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the crow prototype. Yes. We couldn't decide if it looked more like a battle droid or a crow-tee robot, but like we'll both. split the difference. But, uh, Yeah. She tried to build a robot, and Data was like, oh, honey, this was this is a good attempt. It's like he's looking at her finger paints. Oh, what what is this? What is this supposed to be? I'll put, oh, I'll robot. put this robot uh-huh. right yeah, on my okay, refrigerator. I see it. <laughs> oh, don't put a magnet on him. It'll kill him. Oh, no. Oh, what about you, Matt? Uh, so my good thing is I liked the design on the uh, Sheliak Monster Man. Oh, yeah. Sort of a weird, like... It looked very old-school Doctor Who. Like, three dudes under a blanket, but it works. That was a very low-tech practical effect. Like I said, it looked very old-school Doctor Who, but somehow with lighting and with sound effects and with some tricks, they made it look okay. You know, when uh, there's a a scene where Picard and uh, Troy beam over to their ship to talk to them, and he's just hanging out in, like, this weird thing made out of crystals, and there's pretty much nothing else on the ship. It's just black. And he's sort of lounging and waving his weird little flippers around, yep. and it's, it just looks cool. I, I've said this before, and I'll say it a million times. I like when they try to make them not straight-up humanoids with bumps. I like when they yeah. try something a little weird. And, yeah, it looks a little fakey and it looks a little cheap, but at least they're alien. They're kind of weird, yeah. and you don't really know how they work, and it's cool. Now, the Sheliaks are like the new uh, Tholians. Yeah, I can see that. I like the Tholians. We will never see them again. No, and we can't really picture what, what like where their mouths are or how yeah. they walk, like just basic stuff. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. It doesn't matter. Now, the Tholians do appear very briefly in an Enterprise episode that I've actually seen. Yeah, don't they end up having, like, spider webs Yeah, because the Tholian web and everything's literal and they're spider uh, people. Whatever. Enterprise. <laughs> but no, I, I did like those guys. And I like their culture. I like that they kind of look down on humans and that they're mm-hmm. really highly bureaucratic and organized and thought that was neat. Yep. And your bad thing? Uh, this is just not really a very interesting episode. It has... There, there are moments in this episode that make it worth watching, like... Uh, B was talking about uh, the Jordy and uh, uh, O'Brien stuff, where they're, Picard asks, assigns them to do the impossible task of beaming these people up. Yeah, the transporter won't work through the uh, through the radiation, and he's like, "Well, I want you two, my best guys, to figure out a way." And there's a so nice little runner. Cut back to them working in a transporter room uh, and just melting uh, these barrel things one after another, trying to get them to beam through the stuff. Yep. And there's a. Th- there's a couple of great scenes. There's one where they're working. Picard comes in, goes, "How's it going?" Uh, about bad. Expect. Oh. Good, good. Carry on. He doesn't even. He doesn't even stop. He doesn't even break yeah. stride. He walks he in, asks them, walks turns in, around, walks around to Jordy, and then leaves. No, and I, I love, especially knowing what we know about O'Brien, that he's eventually going to be a chief engineer in his own right. It's great seeing Jordy and O'Brien teaming up. It's like, 
it's like getting the Scotty episode of Next Gen over and over again. It's like these two yes. teaming up huh. many times is great. But yeah, the, that little bit of comedy there is like just some really nice economical acting because there's not much going on there, but it's fucking hilarious. Yep. And it's just because those guys are so good and all they need to do is say one thing and it's just perfect. Yep. And there's also a great scene at the end uh, where uh, Jordy finally, everything's been resolved and Jordy finally stumbles on the bridge and says, okay, Captain. We can do it. We haven't slept in five days, but we figured it it's out. It's going to take 15 years of study <laughs> and a research team of 100 people. Yep. But we can do it. <laughs> Picard just pats him on the back and says, good work, Mr. LaForge. We, uh, we're covered, thanks. <laughs> and I just love that because, of course, Jordy and O'Brien figured out a yep. way to do it. They're the best. Yep. <sighs> I liked, they, this is a little too sort of on the nose, a little too neat, where at the beginning they set up the data, like the violent recital thing was like, data's not human, he just sort of emulates humans, and that sort of thread runs through the episode, and I, I you have mentioned before you don't love that, I kind of like it when they just say, here's the principle, here's the lesson we're learning this week, and then data learns the lesson. Yeah, it's a little on the nose for me. I don't always like it, but I don't know. I just, in this case I did, because data... Data seems, like, very methodical in that way. Like, Picard said that this week, so that's what I need to learn. Mm. That's okay. Actually, one of the things... This is sort of our first Data does a thing and gets to show it to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like... And I, I always really enjoy that. I like the idea of Data being this guy who will learn will learn something... Take, he takes an interest in something, learns how to do it perfectly, and then shows it to his friends. Yep. We talked about uh, before the episode or during the episode about uh, an, an episode where Data learns magic. Yeah, how was there not an episode where he did a magic show in front of the crew with, yeah. with a top hat and a, and a, and a rabbit and Geordie and fishnets? I don't know. Yes, Data, I'm not super comfortable with the whole fishnets thing. <laughs> well, Geordie, you told me I could have any whatever I wanted for my birthday. <laughs> See, and now I'm just picturing the whole Troy and Abed thing that you keep pointing out. Yep. I could picture Abed doing that exact same thing. Jordy and Data. Yeah, Jordy in the morning. Yeah, there we go. Now there were there were lots of nice little moments with Data. That's the thing is is like you said, Beef. Everyone like well not everyone, but a lot of people have really good moments. There's a lot of good character stuff in here. It's mostly just the plot that's dumb. Yep. It's kind of the opposite of the previous episode where the, the plot was interesting, but it, it just played out sort of stupid with the characters. Is the opposite problem. But. Yep. Overall, I don't know. Like I said, there were a lot of good lines, a lot of good... Like, choosing a quote was hard because there were tons of good... There's some fucking great lines in this yeah. episode. Yeah, and it's, it's like I say, it's a thing that sort of picks up here and starts going through the rest of the series. Is like, even when you got kind of a lame episode, there's a nice scene between Data and Jordy or a nice scene between mm-hmm. Picard and Troy or whatever. Yeah. And it's nice that they at least know the characters enough that when they have to write a, a sort of a filler scene that those <laughs> are some of the best moments. Yeah. Uh, what else? There's a there's a bit where uh, Data has to give a speech to the people on the planet that that the chick clearly has given him to read, <laughs> and and Spiner does it so well because it's clear that Data's not speaking his own words. He's kind of reading a script almost. He's and, like literally reading off of a teleprompter. Yep. And is it, he kind of gives it an extra layer of. Uh, and they even at one point, well, what's that you say, random stranger that I've never met before? Why, <laughs> you're right. Now is this your car? <laughs> uh, oh, near the end at one point there's a bit where they're talking to the Shelly acting like, well, I want to appoint as our mediators the Grizellas, who are hibernating right now. 
Wait, really? From the grizzly bear the grizzly planet. Grizzly bear planet, okay. They should they should move these colonists to the grizzly bear planet. <laughs> Just give them plenty of picnic baskets, they'll be fine. <laughs> well, there'll be no bear at all. Uh, I actually, I did like that the lesson really was abandon your tradition. <laughs> Abandoning your tradition and history is better than dying, yep. which is not really a very Star Trek position <laughs> at all. That's not a very Gene way of looking at huh. things. And I kind of like they broke out of their sort of cliche. I mean, yeah, but like we exist in a universe where, like I said, there's plenty of planets. Also, we can move your shit off the planet pretty easily. You guys are fine. But our aqueduct. No. That we build with our hands and our grandfathers or something. There'll be another Aquaman for you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, what else? There, like, there wasn't, I mean, you know, a lot of good character moments, but really not a ton going on here. You guys have further business? I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed what I believe to be Data's first kiss. Yep. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think Tasha kissed much. <laughs> no, she is, she is all business in the bedroom. <laughs> yep. We assume. There's the bit where uh, the Sheliak, like, Picard's finally figured out how to outsmart them. And they hail him. And he just sort of stands there and doesn't answer immediately. And we all, we all realize that the, the hailing frequency thing is just like a phone. It, yeah, it's just like... <laughs> and Peeve says, oh no, pick it up before it goes to voicemail. And then we all start imagining what the voicemail must be like. And that it's probably still got Tasha's voice because they didn't change it. Hello, you've reached the USS Enterprise. We're not available right now, but if you leave a message, Jean-Luc, Bill, Deanna, <laughs> Tasha... Oh, oh, that's awkward. Worf. I'm not saying it. No. Can't make me. Yeah, so, so there's that. Data walks in on Picard later. Data, uh, Data, what do you think of this? Believe it or not, <laughs> I'm not at home. Leave your message at the beep. Captain, I do not understand the reference. That's okay, nobody does. Oh, thank you. Good to be had. Ah, a, refer a reference to the t 1980s television show, The Greatest American Hero. Actually, I was going for the Seinfeld reference. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Any further business, gentlemen? Um, no. Very well. Then we shall go into my quote. Yes, do that thing. <laughs> Which is just a, a fun little data being literal, but not in a tedious way anymore. Because he's evolved beyond the need for that. Well, he's, he's now funny. Yes. And I enjoy that. Cybernetic intelligence fascinates me. Are your neural pathways duotronic? No, positronic. I didn't know that was possible. What's your memory capacity? How many operations per second? I have a million questions. I'm afraid I have no time to answer a million questions. So there's that. So, uh, Beeve, good to, good to have you on. I'm sure we'll have you back soon. You were always a delight. And uh, next week, I don't know what we're doing because I don't have my list in front of me, but I'm sure it's delightful. Next week, something and some other thing. Yep. Picard goes on an adventure. Wesley says some stuff. Be there! Please be there. And, uh, Matt, say your thing. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.